It's the Real Roots Radio podcast, on-demand content highlighting the best information and entertainment from the Real Roots Radio team. The uh, memories in color of this gentleman I know are still vivid. Uh, Good morning and welcome back to Classic Country Radio uh, to uh, Mr. Brown. I always call him that on the phone when he uh, checks in with me in the morning uh, out of uh, my respect for uh, him and his uh, service and sacrifice uh, as a a veteran of World War II and also as a a man who went to work after World War II and was a part of uh, making this the most prosperous uh, nation in the world and uh, and that's a, a big thank you for me and a lot of my fellow baby boomers because I am the the product of the fruits of uh, that service and sacrifice and uh, and all the labor I got to grow up in the United States of America in the late 40s and through the 1950s that makes me one of the luckiest people on earth and it's thank you to this greatest generation represented by uh, Mrs. Brown is also here with us today. Uh, Mr. Ed Brown is sitting at the microphone. Uh, Mr. Brown, uh, good morning. And uh, I know uh, as you sat there listening to Jamie Johnson, I could see it in your eyes, uh, flooded with all kinds of memories on D-Day plus 70 years. Well, Bucks, it's uh, my pleasure to sit here with you. I hear you every morning. I'm up at 5 o'clock in the morning tune you in. And I want you people to know that he's uh, he's one of us from the hills. <laughs> and he's made it. And he's the guy that's got the gift to gab, which I never had. I, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> Your wife is smiling. <laughs> well, I was always kind of a backward kid, and Grandpa got after me one day. She said, come out behind that door and get out here and let's talk. <laughs> I said, well, Grandpa, I don't know what to say. He said, just say anything. I don't care. We'll understand you. You have uh, often talked about uh, your uh, grandfather of oh, lessons learned at the woodpile. Well, that's where I got my uh, redneck education, and I, I never got a redneck <laughs> diploma, but uh, I felt like I was, you know, I was ready for life because mm-hmm. after I was, my dad passed away, took his life, mm-hmm. I was 10 years old. And I thought, well, I stood over my dad. I said, Dad, now what are was kids supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Your, your mom's already, my mom passed away, and I was four and a half years old. And uh, I, I, now, what are we supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought, well, I went toward my grandpa because he was my mentor. And, and uh, I've been with him ever since I was a little fella. Mm-hmm. Never knew my grandma, Brown, because she passed away, I guess, before I was born. I never knew her. And uh, Your grandfather must have been a remarkable man. He was like a, a Walter Brennan guy, you know. He knew everything. He could tell you anything. He'd walk out on the, well, we can plow the next field down there in the morning because it's going to be a nice day or it's going to rain or we can't do it. We can't bring hay in. And he had, a, he had an answer for everything. And he told me everything I learned. He says, your schooling stopped here when you're 10 years old, you know, and I never finished eighth grade. But he says, you can, you can uh, live with common sense and I'm going to help you. And he, he taught me everything. He says, to, anything you can do, put your mind to it. If you want to move that mountain over there, you can. Put mm-hmm. your mind to it. And I thought, oh, Yo, yeah. Well, I found out later you could. You know, there's all this machinery <laughs> that somebody invented. Right. You go up and move that mountain over here. But why? Why would I do that? 
but he'd always taught me how to live my life and what that, to do and how it would be. Mm-hmm. The only thing he predicted wrong, I think, he thought when I'd turn out to be a preacher. Really? I thought, Ten years old. I don't. What do I know about preaching? You mm-hmm. know. But we were uh, always uh, dressed up. I got a picture out there. I want to. I want you to meet my parents. Oh, I'd love to. A little bit. Uh, you know, to. they're gone now, right. but. Uh, you yeah, know, I want you to meet him anyway. Right. Well, getting that uh, kind of confidence and support as a as a youngster, uh, that's something that uh, kids today need, and I don't well, uh, think they receive in in they, any way they, like that. They don't, you know. And I, I I'm, I'm always helping somebody because I know how I my bad start, mm-hmm. and I've given away more than I've made, really. Mm-hmm. I, but I'm here, and I've yeah. made my living, and my wife here. Yeah. Bless her heart. Yes, sir. She's, she's from down this, to your country. Right. And she stood by me. He, uh, but she's having a little medical problem, but we're going, we're going to work it out. When uh, what Mr. Brown calls in and refers to uh, uh, the missus, uh, we... Uh, uh, like to talk about our uh, wild mountain honeys, and yeah, this is th- this honey. is that wild mountain honey. Look at her smile. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, uh, we'll we'll put some pictures up on our uh, Facebook page and on the the web page. Uh, but Mr. Brown, who is ninety, you could pass for uh, sixty five, which is my age. Everybody asked me, said, "Well, <laughs> why do you look so young?" I said, "Well, I got an answer for that. I just go around and hang out with older people." <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's go back uh, 70 years ago today well, uh what uh, what were you thinking where were you uh what was uh, well, uh, that that was one experience that you don't want to do but once and uh, and uh, the unexpected all of a sudden becomes reality when we're staging to the english channel on the english side to go on the ships and head for uh, the uh, islands of uh, france Mm-hmm. And we're not knowing what to expect, you know. And what what the, what had they told you uh, that it would be like? You went through you went through a year or more of training. Everything was pretty secret. Yeah, they wouldn't tell mm-hmm. you a lot. And right. If they would tell you if you're ever captured, just give your rank, name, and serial number. And that was your preparation. And by the way, I still know my serial number three five two one six five six two. Isn't that That's remarkable? You'll never forget. <laughs> but you get on those landing crafts and off the ship into those landing crafts, and we start towards shore, and it was a bad day. Yeah, it was rough, oh, wasn't it? It was rough, and waves and everything. People sick. Once that once yeah. that, that gate falls in front of you, you're out and you're mm. into that water. And there's a realization sets in right now. There's somebody up on that bluffs up there in, in them bunkers, and they're shooting at me. And, and what what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know. So I, my grandpa told me, you know, that uh, you you learn from watching the animals how they survive. You know. Well, I thought of that little rabbit, Cottontail. I'm down there hunting in Tennessee, and how he <laughs> runs in a zigzag motion. I drop my head and I run zigzagging. And I'm running over bodies and stopped one time I fell down when I'm shooting over this guy's pack and the bullets are hitting his pack. He's already gone. Mm-hmm. And I man, this ain't good. So I jumped up and ran again. I get under them bluffs. Mm-hmm. And those, uh, the heroes was already there. The rangers, some of them was hanging up there, them paratroopers. Right. And went in ahead of us and the glider come in and they landed about 25 miles in back of us. Some of them landed and, and was hanging from those bluffs. Mm. And uh, we were told to go on, not to bother them. We had people coming up behind. They would take care of the 
wounded and dead. Right. So they was having to cut some of them down. They took a pickup, one of a two mm-hmm. and a half ton truck up there, and then cut them down. They said, Mm-mm-mm. and they were just calling, how, haul them out of there. How yeah. long did it take you to get off the beach? Oh, I wish I could remember that. Yeah. But it's it, uh, you know, you want to get uh, uh, somewhere where you can hide behind something. Right. Right. And uh, I always said. Uh, your best best uh, survival mode over there is to stay down. Mm-hmm. Don't stand up. You make a target. Right. Grandpa yeah. always told me that. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, you and uh, and the uh, hundred and fifty five thousand men were uh, were on the beach. Uh, the uh, hundred fifty five thousand yeah. uh, had about one in fifteen who were wounded or killed. Oh, yeah. well, uh, some ten thousand that one day. Yeah, they were all men that were there. They, we moved in. We had to establish a beachhead, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and start moving and pushing the Germans out of there. We didn't realize that uh, on those cliffs there was bunkers there that the old Germans had forced the French to uh, restruct those bunkers out of pushing boulders together and boiling cement, and they was in there. And they didn't know it right away. The artillery, everything was going on over until somebody said, well, there's bunkers in there. There uh, rifles sticking out of there. So mm-hmm. they redacted the, uh, re- uh, the uh, artillery to hit on them bunkers right. in front of them and rousted those Germans out of there. Right, they were uh, Germans and us Americans. It was one bloody mess. Yeah, uh, you you got off the beach though, and uh, up uh, up onto the bluffs yeah. uh, that uh, that day. Yeah, we did, mm-hmm. and we finally got back, and we got staged, and and uh, I don't know. They come to me. Ever somebody come around and ask me? Said, "Well, what are you skilled in?" I says, "I've I trained everything in Fort Knox, Kentucky. I was there a year and a half." Mm-hmm. And I feel that I already know combat because we put on a, a demonstration for the officer, officers' candidate school. Mm-hmm. They were sitting up on a hill on the bleachers, and we were every day down through that hollow down there with live ammunition, tanks, mm-hmm. mortars, machine guns, mm-hmm. using tracer bullets, going through that just like combat. So we were we were trained. We were we mm-hmm. know. You know, the late Major Dick Hale always said that to me. Yeah. Uh, he came along about 15 years yeah, in the I Army know. after I you. But he said his training was so good that's that it. once he got into that's combat, it. things yeah. happened automatically. That's the way it took with me. It's yeah. automatic. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm up here. I didn't come over here to kill nobody, and I don't want to kill nobody. I don't want to see myself killing nobody. But I want to push you guys to you'll go back home and leave these people, you know, get out of this country. Right. Because Germany, Hitler had already took over, what, about 15 countries? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, what you said just uh, triggered a memory with me. Uh, the great Ernie Pyle, the, oh, yeah. the combat correspondent. Uh-huh. Uh, I remember one column uh, he wrote. Uh, one, he said, uh, uh, your butcher, your baker, your candlestick baker, your druggist, uh, yeah. so on, so on. The, the farm yeah. boy from next door, they're over here. Yeah. They're doing things that they never dreamed uh, yeah, that, that they would that, do. Yeah. And he said, you probably wouldn't recognize them today. Well, and he said, uh, they're fighting for one thing to get back home that's it and my thought was always and i'm standing over there and i'm a gun in my hand i'm looking for a human to shoot and i thought this is crazy i don't want to kill nobody <laughs> right and i remembered that little rabbit back home when i'm shooting at his little cottontail butt trying to get away from me right. and he's running under brush and hiding and everything and i said this way i've got to survive mm-hmm. and they wanted to know what your expert i said you know what uh, can you give me a a, a 30 caliber machine gun 
because I can pick that sucker up and shoot it like a Tommy gun. <laughs> <And> it'll spit <laughs> bullets. I mean, I don't know anymore how fast. But it had a heat shield over the barrel, but it would get hot. So I had an old rag or something, and I led this machine gun squad all the way through. And I'd get my guys behind me. They're carrying ammunition, or mm-hmm. they're back there with M1 rifles. They'd get injured or wounded or killed, and I'd have to call up and get a replacement. And I'd get so mad sometimes I'd grab that gun up and I'd just like a machine gun and them hedgerows. That's where the Germans were. Right, ride. right. That, those were really rough, oh, weren't they? That, the hedgerows. Head you couldn't get through those hedgerows. Right. That, that really held us up, didn't it? It did. Yeah. It did until we got to old, you call old Bradley up and say, send some tanks up here and dig us a hole through this hedgerow so we can get through. Mm-hmm. And, and we'd skirt around them if we could. And, and I, I got a, I got a, the heroes too were these liaison planes that fly the little Piper Cubs. Right. They came overhead of us and up flying around up there, and they would tell us where the enemy was, so we could zero right. in on them. We knew where they were. Mm-hmm. And if they started shooting at that pilot, he'd just come down and <laughs> dive down, and he'd come back up again. Here he is, back up there. Right. And and I gotta give them guys credit. If it wasn't for them, we we'd lost a lot more. Mm-hmm. Because they told us where the enemy was hiding, right. so we could zero our artillery and mortars in on them. You know, it, it was just a, a, a oh one mess. Well, you know, it was a big logistical thing to get all this done oh, and in yeah. there and all the planning that went into it. But once you're there and things are yeah. are rolling, you're improvising. People uh, mm-hmm. just uh, making it up as you go along That's it. Yeah, to, to, you know, to survive and, and move it's, move forward. It's, it's every, every soldier on that field, it's a new experience for him. He's, he's never been in combat before, and he don't know exactly what to do. And I was always my man. I said, what are you standing up for? Get out on the ground. You're mm-hmm. making a target. And uh, I had uh, one uh, young man that came down there. They were cut the same up as replacement, and he was oh, six foot or so tall, big tall kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, he's 18, 19 years old. And, uh, he did, well, he went through his six months training, I guess. And he, he, I, he said, he's, I don't know what his name was, but he had a nickname of Tiny. I said, why do you call you Tiny? You're so big. <laughs> and I said, Tiny, I'm going to tell you now, you're going to keep down on the ground because you make a big target. Right. And I was always pulling him down. He'd stand up. Right. He'd get out of a foxhole in the morning. He thought he was home, I guess. He'd strand, stretch his arms up near. <laughs> I'd jump on him and pull him down. I said, what did I tell you? You stay down. <laughs> and, you know, we got over to the Battle of St. Lowe, and we had to hold up there until they got this, the bunkers. These are huge bunkers. Mm-hmm. And we we couldn't go no further because they could just spray bullets everywhere we moved. Right. And so we pulled back a ways and dug in. And uh, I took a, I had my rifle, a machine gun squad up on a dirt road, and there's a bank there like you might see in Kentucky or Tennessee. Sure. And I set this machine gun up pointing right at those, that bunkers. And we had to stand guard on it. I'd sent some guy up two hours, and then I'd, and another guy next two hours at night, so we had to be right on it. And I got up that morning, I was on it that morning for about two hours, and, and I told a rifle squad leader next to me over there, I said, I'm going down and get another guy to come up. So uh, I went down to the half fox hole and hollered tiny. I said, get up, you want you go up and stand on the gun. And I walked up there with him, and uh, his head would stand, and shoulders would stand above that mound of dirt, you know, in the mm-hmm. room. And I said, Tiny, now I, want, I don't want you standing up. I want you to stay down, hunker down. Don't make a target. 
And uh, okay, okay. So I came back down and I crawled back down in my manhole, went to, or my bunker, and I went to sleep. Or started to doze off, I guess. And the, the rifle gun sergeant come over and said, Brown, Brown, he get up. Says you got to go up there. Tiny just got it. I said, no. Oh, you kidding me? Mm. I went up there and sure enough, he's laying on the road. The bullet over up between his eyes and his helmet mm-hmm. laying over mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. I said, him, Tiny, what did I tell you? Stand, don't stand up. That hurt me worse than anything. Yeah, right. Seventy years later, and uh, that emotion's still fresh, well, isn't it? I had wow. another another answer. Well, I lost a lot of my men right. behind me. But I had one like you're talking about this this song here that uh, Joe and the boys just got out. Uh, the last parade. Last parade. And uh, we we went into a little town and we always threw a quarter around that little town. And I had my machine gun squad way up on the road set up in the corner of a road up there in the field. And uh, so they brought the uh, mess sergeant come up with the the food. So I'd send down two at a time to eat. And then when they come back, we two more go down. So it got down to me, and then my a buddy I liked, you know, he's right with me all the time, and he's my machine gun carrier, or, uh, target, uh, ammunition carrier, mm-hmm. right by me. He wanted to stay and go down with me. I says, okay. So when everybody else was done, him and I walked down. And we got down there, and we was going to get in the child line, and somebody else says, you got mail, you guys, what's your name? You got mail. And they called his name out. And he went down there and he got a letter. And he came up there and he opened Oh, he said, that's from Mom. That's home. He opened that up. He is, he is from Kentucky, and I wish I could remember his name. Mm-hmm. But he says, uh, he opened that letter up. He stood there and he read that letter from his mom. And he started reading it again, twice. And all of a sudden, the, the mortar shells come in. They figured out the Germans, I guess, in that little town, we'll throw some shells over there. That mortar shells come in. He's standing right beside of me on my left side here. And when he went, when I heard a flop like that, and he, he went down. He said, oh, I'm hit. And he went down. Mm. And he he held that letter up to me and says, tell my mom I love her. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That was it. We're in the conversation uh, with uh, Mr. Ed uh, Brown, uh, Normandy uh veteran uh sharing uh, his experiences of uh of world war ii and the events of 70 years ago today and uh what uh, what happened uh, after that it is uh 11 in the morning you're listening to 1090 11 fm 100.3 classic country radio remembering d-day plus 70 years so uh you uh, fought your way uh, across uh, France, uh, were you part of uh, uh, the? Uh, did you get to go into Paris uh, during the liberation there? Uh, oh, I was in Paris, an American hospital, for four or three days with wounds. Well, that uh, I, I remember you oh, telling me about that. Oh, but yeah, uh, we had units that went the other way. You, oh, okay, you, you right, got right. Units going this way and that way. Right. But we went toward Saint Lo, and the others mm-hmm. went toward Paris. Right. Okay. And I never got into Paris. The right. only way I got there is by an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And I spent uh, time there in the hospital. Right, you and, were uh, you were wounded near St. Lowe. Yeah, St. Mm-hmm. Lowe. Well, I, I was wounded in St. Lowe. The thing is, I didn't leave my men because, I, and I didn't realize then, Bucks, how bad I was wounded. Mm. And, and I'm, you know, what the heck? You're 20 years old. You you take anything. You, I've been bruised before and fallen off a horse or throwed off. Mm. And and I thought, well, I'm okay. 
and I heard all my these men around me, somebody come over and help me. I'm bleeding to death. Their, their leg muscles are missing. They're hurting. They're they're, they're <sighs> got shrapnel wound. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't leave. And they, they, they what what it was? You hate to say that. It was friendly fire. We mm. had panels that we wouldn't stop a fighting at night. There was panels maybe the three foot by four foot wide, and they were colored, and you could see them at night from up above. And uh, when these little uh, P-51s and P-38s was happens, you know, going ahead of us and strafing and shooting and bombing, right, doing they carried a 250 pound bomb. Wow. And I'm we got out of them foxholes that morning started out. And all of a sudden, I, I looked down at the ground. I heard this tat, 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 tat. And I looked down the bullet. The ground was just peppering all around me. And I looked mm-hmm. back, and I saw this P-51 coming right at me. Oh. And I started to jump in a hole here that wasn't mine. It was somebody up, you know, over the side of me here. And uh, I'll never know this day whether I made it in that hole because that bum went off right beside of me. And it lifted me through the air over here, if you can imagine, 20, 25 feet. Mm. And knocked me just unconscious for a few minutes, I guess. And, and the rifle was laying over my nose, skint my nose and my forehead. And uh, finally there was a paramedic come over and he says, are you hurt, soldier? I says, I don't know, but I can't move. And he rolled me over looking for blood. He said, I don't see no blood. So I said, wait a minute. So I got my feeling back and I got up and I heard these guys help, needing help. Right. I, I didn't know at that time. I thought, well, I'm okay. So I started helping them. And, and from that time on, I had a lot of internal injury and right. back injuries I mm-hmm. didn't know about. From the concussion. Yeah, yeah from mm-hmm. the concussion. Even mm-hmm. my left ear was uh, messed up and still messed up. Hmm. But, uh, you know, I thought, well, I, I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to leave my man. I'm going to help him, you know. I, I'm still on my feet. I'm able to go. I just kept going. And I, that was, I think, in July. But in August, around uh, November, I guess it was, I, we got up at Hurtskin Forest. That's where I got wounded mm. and had to leave. And they made me leave. I didn't want to go then. <laughs> they made me leave. I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm from the hills. I'm tough. I don't want to go nowhere. No, so the, they're going to make you leave because I had a piece of shrapnel went through my hand and come out here, busted my rifle all up. and I had my face full of uh, gravel and dirt to hit mm-hmm. the gravel out because the mortar went off shell right up above the hill right from in front of me. But I, you know, there's a lot of experiences that, uh, you know, I went right. through. So you uh, wound up in Paris for, did you say 45 days? I think 43 hospital? days, if mm-hmm. I remember, but I wanted out of there and they wouldn't let me because all oh, these people, these soldiers coming in there, you would not believe, Bucks, they just tore up and and, mm-hmm. and all night long and screaming and over pain and yelling. Oh, it just went on and on. They had me in a room back there. There was another soldier in there with me. That nurse had come in there, and every time she'd come in the room, said, don't you ever sleep? Said, every time I walk in here, you're awake. Hmm. I said, I, I, I'll tell you what, you're not going to sneak up on me because I just come off the front lines, and <laughs> you hear a twig or a leaf or anything fall right. or, or anything in the, in the forest, you think it's a German, you're awake. Yes. And, <laughs> but anyway, they, I said, and the Battle of Bulge started. And I wanted out there. I said, let me go. I want to go back and help them guys. I said, no. We're your your man and your unit was uh, there uh, when the the bulge happened, and you were well, uh, yes, you they, were back in Paris in the, hospital. in the hospital. Right. And they yeah. wouldn't let me out. And I said, well, you kept on. I kept telling them, you're going to let me out or I'm going to AWL. i got to get out of here because I'm no good if I'm going crazy. You know, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? No, you're no good. 
He said, well, we're going to let you out uh, next day or two. We're going to let you out. He put me in that 355th engineer outfit, which they were non-combat engineers. So mm -hmm. I was with them for a year. And I got a book out there. I'll let you have it if you want, showing you bridges that we built and pontoons all through Germany. Right. You were uh, uh, building bridges. That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Build that railroad bridge across the Rhine River. Right. And, and making sure bridges that you came to were still sound, too, oh, checking yeah, that well, out. Well, yeah. they were. We had to check them out. We had to mm -hmm. support them if they weren't, you know, and, and rebuild part of it pontoon bridges we put across you wouldn't know what you know right. just everything we would and, just and had to beat the germans to the bridges because they wanted to bring them down yeah. to try and slow you down well, i'm like sure we weren't combat engineers we we're supposed yeah. to be in the background right you know and we waited for quite a while back there until they made d-day on the rhine river mm -hmm. we can move up and start building that railroad bridge right and mm -hmm. we're we're camped out back there and they how? started the d-day on the rhine river and uh how I'm sorry. How long did it take to build a, a railroad bridge across the line? Right, it's in the book right there. It's in the book. Ten yeah. days and nights. Ten days and nights. We worked nights, ten days and nights, day and night. Wow. We had, we had lights up, but we had cables up and balloons up, uh, yeah. helium balloons, big, like big old the, balloons. To keep the old bed check Charlie, we told him, I right. called him, and he'd come over and check us out. Mm -hmm. He'd fly through there. Right. I mean, he could drop a bum or shoot at you, you know. So sure. We were out there working. He'd come in there, he'd run in them cables, that would be it. He yeah, knew that. Right. He knew that. He could see them, I guess. Mm -hmm. a, just the logistics of all this, supplying all of these men, caring for all of these men, uh, making sure they had ammo, and then uh, the uh, the equipment and the supplies to build yeah. a railroad bridge in 10 days. Yeah. The logistics, yeah. the size of this war uh, was uh, just, uh, oh, you know, this yeah. is why they call it a yeah. world war. <laughs> it was, was a, a a enormous. A magnitude of all, you know, you could not mm -hmm. believe but what all it had to be, you have to do that, you have to do that. Right. We had to go back and, and bring those I-beams up there, and we call it the Red, Red Ball Express. And we had a, a two, four, six, eight wheel truck, wheels on the back with a tongue back there, hauling them from La Havre, France, uh, <laughs> up there. You go through them little towns, you had to stay on the road with a right. truck. You could make semi-truck, you couldn't get off the road. We'd sure. come through town. You try to make the corners, and that tail would come around that I beam and hit a brick building over there and knock the bricks out. <laughs> well, you know, something uh, that we're not accustomed to very much in this country, uh, how tight those towns were, oh, the little were narrow small. streets and all that. Well, yeah. you, know, you know I love those little old towns. You know, mm -hmm. you, it's beautiful over there. I yeah. love the German people, and, and there's so many German people that I could just, I felt like I was home. Mm. And I love mm. their little uh, knob, hobnob streets in town. Right. And the red uh, slate type roof up there. Just gorgeous. Oh, it was. I thought yeah. it was beautiful. Do you ever go? Do you ever go back? No, but I'd love to go back and just go the route that I took. Right. Because mm -hmm. I'd love to stop and and just you know enjoy mm -hmm. that place. Right. We stopped in this one little town. We cleared them out, pushed them out. And me and my one buddy, we were walking between uh, two buildings, which the houses pretty close together. And I heard a knock, 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 and I looked down and basement window down there, and there's an elder couple down there, and she's waving at me. 
And, oh, America, I heard her say, Americans, American. <laughs> and uh, so I went around the back door, and they came come out that door, and she's grabbing us and hollering, kissing us. And, oh, you got them bad people out of here. Get them in notches out of here. They come out on the bus. I said, did you stay here through all this bombardment and everything? She said, yeah, we stayed right down here in our basement. It's our home. We weren't going to leave. The, well, the, the uh, devastation was incredible, wasn't it? It was. It yeah. was awful. But anyway, her, we looked. She said, oh, looking out in the back. Oh, they've, they've hit the roof up there. And them slates they fell off. If you knew them slates, it's about a foot long. And they had a, a hook they made in them. And it was holding the roof up there. I looked over there, and there's a ladder there. I saw my buddy get that ladder over here, and we brought that ladder over, and they had some extra stacked up over there. And we went up there and repaired the roof. Them people were just so thankful. Mm. You could not believe. Mm-hmm. I, I, they I, uh, they were, uh, uh, many uh, were uh, were victims of all of this, they were, uh, too. They victims did. of the Nazis and what well, went on uh, to take well, over that country. What I don't understand is why you let a dictator like Hitler Mm-hmm. tell you every move you can make and if you don't i'm going to kill you why why didn't somebody take him out before he went as far as he did mm-hmm. i mean you don't you don't want to think of killing somebody right but i mean if what would it, it looked all the lives it would have saved if somebody would just say mm-hmm. oh you're you're not going to do that to me and just took him out right right uh, you know that's that they they tried to confiscate the guns at one time, didn't they, in Germany? Because yeah. uh, Germans were uh, sportsmen. They were hunting people, they so were there were a smart. lot of guns out there. They were smart. They knew mm-hmm. how to do anything. I walked into, I had a, a bunch of uh, different pistols made in Germany, mm-hmm. and I had a member of 32, and it had a broken farm pen. And uh, I was with the 355th then. And I, I went to, I seen a building up there that said NCR on it. NCR was over there. Making, sure, they were yeah, around the world, right? They took it over and started yeah. making more material, or mm-hmm. whatever they're making in there. So I thought, well, wait a minute. I walked in there and I, I asked, Does anybody here understand English? And, and the guy said, yeah, me do. I said, come over here. I said, I need a firing pin for my pistol. Me show you come over here. You went over with that guy, and that guy couldn't speak any. But he looked at him, yeah, me, me fix you, me fix you. You give me two hours, you come back. I did. I came <laughs> back. He he made a farm pen for the. Uh, they just uh, mm-hmm. so I you know I just uh, fell in love with all right. them people. How uh, now uh, when the uh, uh, in May when the war ended, uh, how long uh, were you uh, over in Germany after that? After the war ended. Yes. Well, I don't. I, I was there longer than I should have been because if you had been serving down the front lines in combat, you'd have an early withdrawal to get come right. home. Mm-hmm. They kind of forgot about me, <laughs> and I'm up in Bremen and Bremerhaven, oh. which is way up the northern part of Germany. That's where my great grandfather was the from. North sea. Yeah. Well, Bremen was leveled. Bremerhaven was on up north a little bit farther. Right. And I was driving a jeep for this, this colonel, you know, and. Yeah, they just kind of forgot about me until they said, oh, you could have went home a long time ago because you've been in combat. I said, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I was having fun. I, you know, right. I said, yeah, what are you going to do? I'm an old little old hillbilly. It's uh, orphan to looking for somewhere to be. And right. and we got up what? there at uh, Bremen. I believe it was Bremen. And then we, we found that... Uh, plant where old Hitler was making the fluid for his uh, uh, bombs, his, uh, you know, planes he was sending over them, mm-hmm. his bus bombs. Oh, oh yeah. Them. We the, found that, and so we we had a perimeter of that thing and guard it. We had up there, we had a displaced persons camp. If you can imagine, a whole bunch of tents 
lined up. All all kind of displaced persons in there. I didn't know where they were from, ethnics of all kind, you know. Mm-hmm. And me and my buddy walked up there one day, and they wanted to invite us in, sit down and eat with us. I said, you sure? Yeah, come on, eat with us. They had a long table set up there, and they had a big paper. They called it goulash. Mm-hmm. And some of them had a garden out there. <laughs> they had a big garden and with cabbage, turnips, and beets, and all, you name it. And they were making uh, cognac, homemade cognac. <laughs> <laughs> so they says, come in, sit down with us. So you go. You, you, we went in. We sat down with them. They set a big plate of that goulash here and one up there, and they'd give you a plate and, and a, a glass. And so they put your glass mm-hmm. there, and they'd come along and pour about that much cognac in there. <laughs> <laughs> and they, I watched them guys, and they'd drink that right down. Yeah, it was good. I thought, well, I'll try it. And I took a big shot of that, and I could feel it all down to my toe. <laughs> that was you're, worse, worse than Mountain Dew. Your uh, your memories are uh, just so uh, vivid and uh, and uh, and uh, real. Uh, yeah. You're uh, you're really close to them. Uh, is this something uh, uh, you think about every day? Uh, you try not to. And mm-hmm. when I got back here, you know, Bucks, I tried to put all this behind mm-hmm. me. What what I was think, it like when you uh, where did, where did you come into the come back to the country at? Well, where? It, in the first place, it took us 18 days to come back across the Atlantic because they put us on a converted destroyer, mm-hmm. and we ran into a storm and had to turn and go back. They said 500 miles. I don't know if we went that far back or not, but uh, destroyer in a storm was like bobbing uh, like a cork oh, bobbing, yeah, wasn't it? A bad storm yeah. out there on the sea. The aircraft inter- enterprise and the and the Queen Mary came by us, and I'm out on deck and all that storm and that ship's going up and you, you could see <laughs> nothing but sky and all of a sudden it dropped, and I had a camera it was an old German camera with black and white film, and I w- I still got them film or pictures I wish mm. it had been in color, but I heard somebody kept yelling yelling get in here come in here, and it was one of the crew members he said you get washed off a deck over he said somebody just got washed off deck back of you so i had to come in but hit tore that ship up we were on lost all the, the uh, smoke barrels or mm. plank it just cleaned it off on top and it bent everything down there and we were sleeping in hammocks between posts hanging between oh, posts. swinging back and forth <laughs> and they had give us a uh, a new duffel bag full of clothes and i, I figured out use for the, uh, the long johns Mm-hmm. You get up in your hammock, and you take one part of them, and you tie yourself in up here, and the other part, you tie your feet in around. <laughs> if you didn't, you'd, you'd storm, you'd, you'd, right. fall, you'd sure. roll you out. You know? uh-huh. what, uh, what was it like when you uh, put uh, a foot down on American soil? Well, well I was kind of upset at first because we came into uh, the uh, New York Harbor, and we sat out there about four hours and wondered, well, why, why are we sitting out here? We got here. Why can't we get off? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and uh, was out there right by the Statue of Liberty. I could see mm-hmm. where we were. And Andrew's sister was out there on a the platform singing, Welcome home, welcome home. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they finally uh, brought us in to, to dock, and we come in beside of this Queen Murray and the Enterprise. I looked up there on that Enterprise, this aircraft carrier, one of the turrets was all tore loose and hanging up there. On. That's how bad that storm was. Wow. And then all of a sudden, we, we finally had to get us a gangplank so we could get off, and we got off. And here was those guys, uh, dock workers were on strike, carrying signs. 
Oh. And I was so mad. I, so, I said, so after fighting your way across uh, yeah, France and four Germany. Hours, four hours we've been out there. You're waiting for a strike to end. After 18 days <laughs> trying to get across the Atlantic. <laughs> oh, I man. I one guy, I said, you know what? It's a good thing they took my rifle away from me before I got here. I give you a butt of it right upside of your head. <laughs> I'm over here <laughs> fighting this war, and I come home. Oh, well, that's so, we were just so you're, messed up. You're listening to conversation with a, a great gentleman, uh, Mr. Ed Brown, a, a Normandy veteran, veteran of World War II, man who recently celebrated his 90th birthday. And if you weren't here earlier when I said it, a guy who looks younger than me, and I'm 65. Uh, we're talking about, uh, of course, uh, 70 years ago, uh, D-Day, and... Uh, his in the involvement in uh, that and uh, and World War Two. Uh, so uh, you were uh, mustered out of the army soon after uh, getting back onto American soil, or I, uh, did it take a little while? I wound up in town, Gallup, Pennsylvania, and was let go on the second day of January, 1946. Now you were from uh, down in uh, the the hills of Kentucky. No, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. Uh, how did you make your way to uh, uh, Dayton area? Well, I left Tennessee in a 29 Model A Ford I bought at Jamestown, Tennessee, when I was 11 and a half years old. <laughs> and I worked on an Emma Johnson's farm and it's two, uh, four miles north of Sparta, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and when I was 11 and a half years old, he was a big old banker down there in Sparta. He gave me a job. And I was working for him. If I wasn't busy for him, the guy across the road, he said, you come over and harness my mules and come out here and plow that. I said, I'll be right over there. I was always working, but I was never without a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, I felt that old uh, A model Ford. My brother and my cousin was there at Jamestown, Tennessee, and they was in the CC camps, they call, which mm-hmm. is equivalent to the ROTC here in Dayton, you know, here. So they were going to come home on the weekend, and it, you got around down there by thumbing, you know, somebody pick you up or, you know, haul you around. And I, I got down there at the gate, and I don't remember how I got there, but I was waiting on my brother and my cousin to come out. Uh, to, I didn't want to go in the gate because I'd be an intruder, you know, getting in the gates. And I looked down the street, and I saw that A model sitting down there. And uh, I walked, had a sign up in the window, and I walked down there looking around it. And that guy come out on the porch, and he yelled, say, buddy, kid, you say you like my A model? I said, yeah, is it for sale? He said, yeah, it's for sale. And he walked out there, and I says, uh, well, what you want for it? He said, $25. I said, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> ah, you ain't, you can't drive that. You're just a kid. And I says, don't tell me what I can't do. <laughs> I said, and he said, you got $25? I said, I showed him $25. He come in, come in and got the, the, the title. He come out and signed it over to me, and I got in and drove it up here at the gate. Yeah. My brother come out, his eyes got as big as softball. He's, get out of that man's car. What are you doing, that man? I said, that's mine. <laughs> come on, we're going to Sparta. So, I that, uh, uh, you know, uh, Ludlow, Kentucky uh, was uh, a lot like that. And, uh, and uh, this is only about 40 or 50 years ago. Uh, my cousin Rob told me a story not long ago. Uh, we both uh, worked on the pedaling wagon for my grandfather. Uh, best experience I ever had in my life. And, and Pop had me driving in his lap when I was about eight or nine years old. And as soon as I could reach the pedals, uh, I was I was driving. And uh, Rob uh, had the same experience. Uh, he was about 14, and uh, Pop threw him the keys to uh, the Jeep, which he had taught him how to drive. Uh, he had an overland, a Willie's Overland wagon. And... Uh, 
said, uh, I want you to go down to Shroggy's uh, Hardware and get that wood I ordered. And Rob said, Pop, I don't have a license. He said, I didn't ask if you had a license. I asked you to go down to the hardware store. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we didn't need a license to Tennessee either. I drove that thing out yeah. there. And we went up in Indiana, me and my cousin. And an old boy by the name of J.D. Walker, he'd had, he had one eye on had that patch across his head. Can I go with you? I said, yeah, get your butt in there if you want to go. He crawled in the back seat and went with us. Yeah. And we get up in Rensselaer, Indiana, and I run into this Tom Stewart, and he was from down there, Sparta. And he, I said, I come up here looking for work. He said, I got just a job for you. I'm taking over a big dairy farm in Michigan City, Indiana, and I'm going to need you. I says, that's fine with me. I'll go help you. So I went on that dairy farm, Bucks. I was on there for three years. Mm. I was like 15 when I got there, and I had to register for the military at Valparaiso, Indiana. And that's where I registered. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and Tom had a, uh, a boy there, Jerry, and he had this polio, I guess, from birth, mm. and uh, mm-hmm. 12 years old. And I become his confidant. I took that boy. I did, You know, I just become his companion, done everything with him, took him to... Uh, Soldiers Field in Chicago to see the Gene Autry show. Oh, wow. I took him up to Dunes, Indiana Dunes and let him out, took him down there and set him in the sand. A little boy, he, he, you know, and I, we went down to Michigan City, Indiana, and saw that movie Gone with the Wind. <laughs> I took him down to the Indiana State Prison, which is there at Michigan, Michigan City, Indiana. Right. And run him through there and just to teach him everything. And he was so, that boy was just. He, and then I wound up buying that, that uh, horse, right, uh, the racehorse in Chicago Stockyards, and brought him down there. And I had to get a saddle and a bridle, and uh, I even got a trailer. And I'd take him down and made a cattle horse out of him. <laughs> that boy, he, he wanted to ride that horse. I says, Okay, Jerry, I'm going to put you on that horse. I'd bring the horse up there at the steps on the back yeah. door. And I'd put him on. He'd finally get a hold of the horn, you know, and I'd, I'd lead the horse around. And I finally, you know, that horse finally, I think, realized that boy was handicapped. And I could just sit on a stoop. I'd say, go, Flavor, take him a ride. And he'd walk around till he'd, boy, he'd say, he'd get dark. You've had so, so many experiences. Oh, man. Uh, you've, uh, you've had uh, such a full life. Well, anyway, I, I got one six months deferment because I was working the farm. Uh-huh. I wanted to take uh, the farm, work, uh, help off the farm, uh, go to the military. So I, I came down to Dayton on the weekend, and I had all my relation lived in Dayton. Mm. So they said, well, why don't you come on down here? So I went back, and I decided I would go down. And here I had a bank account in the bank in Michigan City, and then I had my horse. I had my 31 Chevy. <laughs> I had a, a mount, uh, Indiana honey over there that we'd go horseback riding or car riding. I was just a happy boy. <laughs> but I decided to come down to Dayton. And as soon as I got to Dayton, I got a I got a letter from my induction center in Valparaiso, Indiana, and I had to go check in. Right. So I got on the phone, I called him. I says, I'm down here in Dayton. I said, Well, you just transfer my papers down here. Yeah, okay. So they transferred everything down here over there at Old Steel High School on Huffman Avenue. Mm-hmm. North when they got my papers down here, they called me up and says, You're going. We're taking you in the army. So I went in from Dayton. That's where I right. went down to railway station to Columbus for Fort Hayes mm-hmm. to Fort Knox. And uh, so, so then, uh, when you were mustered out, you came back here. I got out right. of t- Indian Town, got Pennsylvania, the second day of January. 
And I thought, well, am I going to Tennessee, Indiana, or where am I going? I said, I'm going to flip a coin here, and if it comes up ahead, I'm going back to Ohio. <laughs> he came up ahead, I got on the train, and I came back to Ohio. And you know, <laughs> flip the coin. <laughs> by myself, I'm by myself, but I, I sure. said, oh, it's ahead, uh, I'm going back to hey, Ohio. Hey. You know, I got back. One thing, one thing that I'm just still disgruntled about the state of Ohio. I went in from here. I spent my time in there, and I came back, mm-hmm. and they had an Ohio bonus for us soldiers. It depends on how much time you spent uh, in the military mm-hmm. is how much you've got. I had $625 coming. I went down to apply for it because when I got back here to Dayton, I had a job with the government down towards Springboro, and there was no bus service. So I said, I need a car to get down to work. Right. And I need that $625, so I can go down here, and I already had a car picked out. I went down to apply for it, and you know they turned me down. I no, said, why? Really? I, you know, they said, well, we checked your record, and you, uh, you had to live in Ohio to establish a residence for one year. Oh, hoop too. I'd only been there six months. Mm. Uh, you gonna turn me down because of that? Well, that's what they say. So I never did, and to this day, I, I come back here in in Ohio. And you know how long I've been here working. Paid all the taxes. Never been. I always paid everything. Never owed a dime to anybody. Didn't want to. And, and I wouldn't borrow from you. I, borrow, I had a story. I tell you, I borrowed three dollars off a buddy one time. But that's another story. But uh, anyway, I never did get my Ohio bonus. Yeah. Uh, and the only way I got my car. Boy, I wonder what that'd be with interest and everything well, now. That's what they, they still owe me. They still owe me. That's right. Well, I, you know, I went down and talked to veterans. We uh, we owe you a lot, sir. Uh, we're uh, sadly uh, out of time oh, here. Oh boy. Uh, and it went so quickly. Uh, but uh, let me uh, thank you first for being here to share these stories and uh, give us the insight of somebody who was there and on the ground 70 years ago today and what ensued. Thank you for uh, the insight that that you've given me uh, in your phone calls here uh, on any number of topics uh, when we're doing those in the morning. Uh, People really look forward to hearing from you and me uh, especially. But let me also say this. Uh, Thank you so much for the example that you have set for all of us who follow through your your service to the nation and then your service in the, in business and the, the way you've conducted your life over the years. It's really a pleasure uh, to know you. Well, it's been a ride, Bucks, but, you know, I'd do it all over again. I just, you know, I don't know if I'd do it any different. There might be a few things I would do different, and uh, but, you know, when you're just an old beat up little old hillbilly boy and uh, <laughs> you, you know you you do it your way grandpa's way you know mm-hmm. and i love that song of those guys from nova scotia let's get back to grandpa's way of living the spitty brothers Spitting right brothers. yeah, yeah. what mm-hmm. does this what does these wars prove just get a lot of people killed innocent people that had nothing to do with it and uh, and we come out of it well we go back and rebuild the thing we bum the like Bremen up there, we bombed that place to the ground, and we go back and help them rebuild it. Did uh, we've done that all over the world? All over the world. All these years. Is there mm-hmm. a part where we're going to say uh, why? Why uh, are we doing this? You know, uh, we we can't change these people. Mm-hmm. So if we've got the best army and the best uh, fighters in the world, 
let's throw them around our borders here and protect our borders and let everybody know what do you what are you coming over here for we're going to keep a watch on you coming over here and you're going to be a tourist you've got another thing coming buddy you're going to, you're not going to do that over here but, well thank you so much for uh, for all of uh, of this and uh, well, especially for uh, what you went through so that I could grow up as I said uh, in the United States of America in the 40s and 50s and into the 60s uh, we're uh, the luckiest people in the world because of folks like well, you well, Mrs. Well. Brown thanks for coming along today too and all of your support for this wonderful guy uh, Ed Brown thank you thank you Bucks I, sure, I appreciate you being here and I want all you people to know out here that uh, we've got a good guy here that's uh, supporting us in uh, entertainment and uh, and keeping us up on uh, sports and <laughs> the uh, things that's happening around us. So we need him. Well, so thank you. Support him. I'm I'm, I'm just uh, here to uh, uh, introduce uh, folks like you to. Uh, uh, people that uh, should hear from you and should know you. Well, uh, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you, Bob. God bless it. you. God bless America. Your home for all things country. Real Roots Radio.